Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about mental health awareness in older persons and caregivers is Amanda LaRose. We Care Management's owner, Amanda LaRose, has a master's degree in social work, is a licensed clinical social work therapist, and certified advanced social work case manager. She has experience counseling adults of all ages, families, and caregivers. Amanda believes that everyone experiences changes across the lifespan, which naturally leads them to developing coping skills to overcome these challenges. However, there are times in everyone's life when for some reason they are struggling to cope and therefore can benefit greatly from additional support. This is why Amanda is passionate about supporting people who are committed to improving their lives. She created We Care Management to support older persons and their family members. How are you doing, Amanda? Thank you for being here. I'm good. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to our conversation. I know you and I have been talking for quite some time, so I'm excited to, uh, to dive right into this. Uh, before we start, um, a little bit of housekeeping for those that are joining us today. Um, if you have any questions, put those in, and uh, time permitting at the end, we will do everything I can to, uh, to get those questions answered. So, Amanda, tell us a little bit more about mental health and why it's important to talk about it. Well, Jason, you know, um, not just today, but every day, uh, it's important to be aware of how our mental well-being is because, as we know, there is mind-body connectedness. And so, um, you know, mental health is the psychological well-being and satisfactory adjustment to society and to the ordinary demands of life. So we go through life, and there are ups and downs, and, you know, there's stressors and situations that present themselves, and we automatically develop coping skills. Sometimes they're not the healthiest of coping skills, but um, they, they at least help us get through that time the best that we can. And so all of these things have the potential to affect our mood. They can affect them in a positive way by bringing joy and happiness they can bring about sadness and nervousness and anxiety. And so mental health is important because, like I said, it affects the whole mind-body connectedness. And in social work, I was um, fortunate to be trained not just in psychology, but in social work. And social work looks at the person as a whole. So their biology their life experiences, so not the not only the current life experiences, but also the things that they have experienced throughout their lives in the past and potentially in the future. And then family history is another factor that contributes to our day-to-day, -day. our environment. So, for example, COVID and what's going on with that. Um, and then social situations. So you know, our social network, our ability to be social, and again, you know, being affected so much now in so many ways. So, you know, what I find right now that a lot of people are struggling with in regards to their mental health is the unknown. And a lot of times with the unknown brings about nervousness and anxiety. And with older persons, that nervousness and anxiety can bring about forgetfulness. It can bring about um, 
you know, difficulty sleeping, difficulty eating. And so that example gives you an idea of how that mind-body connectedness is affected by our experiences. Yeah. Uh, I can imagine that sometimes people, they don't recognize that they need help, Amanda, right? Or they, they feel they can manage on their own. Uh, what are the risk factors to not getting help and trying to do this all on your own? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, um, as you can see in this illustration, you know, it, stress is kind of a general term about how things affect our entire body, that mind-body connectedness. And so um, it is normal and actually healthy for us to go through some stress. It's when we have constant stress where our body is being overworked and it has the potential to have significant negative effects. And a lot of times what I like to explain is that it's almost as if when we don't address the stressors in our life and, and our mental well-being and physiological well-being, things kind of get stuck inside. And so with, with mental health, um, one of the things that can happen, and maybe some of you have experienced this, is that anxiety, for, um, continuing with the example that we gave before, that anxiety can get trapped inside and then come out in physiological ways. So, for example, your gut. Um, you can have digestive problems. Um, it can come out in your joints and mus muscles. You can have tension in your shoulders. Um, it can, of course, affect your blood pressure. So, you know, as you can see here in this image, this diagram um, before you, that it can um, affect your, your brain, so your, your concentration, your memory. Um, it can contribute to irritability and um, fogginess, just not being able to think clearly, not being able to organize your thoughts. Um, it can, you know, rob you of your joy. Uh, it can affect your high blood pressure like we talked about. It can increase risk of heart attack and stroke. Mm -hmm. um, it can cause inflammation, uh, which um, creates aches and pains and tightness in your muscles, and then affect your immune system. And right now, more than ever, we need to have strong immune systems. Um, as well as, you know, there are some times where people start losing their hair. Um, they can have dry skin um, with stress. And we've already talked about the digestive system, but not only that, um, being able to absorb the nutrients that we need to keep us healthy and well and thinking clearly. And then our reproductive system. So all of these things are connected, and I encourage people all the time to, if you're feeling like something's off, and you're not sure, that's when it's important to seek help. Whether you start with your primary care physician or go to a counselor, um, it's so important. And, and not just for the older persons, but for the, the caregivers. Uh, we notice, Jason, a lot of caregivers are, are doing so well at taking care of the person that they're helping and supporting. So. And, yeah, and it just it literally takes everything out of them. And then they, they often don't prioritize themselves. And I use this analogy, and you may have heard of this before, but 
um, you know, just like on the airplane, if something were to happen and you need to put your oxygen mask on and you have a little one or someone who can't take care of themselves sitting next to you, you need to put your oxygen mask on first. And so this is why even for caregivers, it's really important for you to be taking care of yourself and trying to cope um, more effectively with these stressors. Um, identifying signs of mental health disturbances in yourself, what do people need to be looking out for, Amanda? So um, a lot of times they look a little different in older persons, but um, they, you can see some, some similarities. So I'll talk first about, um, you know, the, the anyone more general, and then I'll hone in on um, some other um, symptoms specifically for older persons. So typically you can feel, um, with anxiety for example, you can feel nervous, worried, constant thoughts about that worry, uh, not being able to sleep, uh, whether it's fall asleep or stay asleep or both because of that constant thinking about that worry um, and fear. Um, and then maybe the opposite with depression, sleeping too much, so sleeping more than usual. And then going back to the anxiety, a lot of times people might experience shortness of breath or a pit in their stomach, uh, which then creates, you know, really lack of appetite, not wanting to eat a lot. Sometimes depression can cause lack of appetite, but it can also cause eating too much, and especially of those comfort foods. Um, or drinking too much alcohol, those, those are some signs that something's different um, if that's not your norm. Um, but even if it is your norm, um, that's kind of a different, different <laughs> topic. <laughs> um, um, but then, you know, not being able to stay calm and still. Um, so, you know, if you're typically able to have some relaxing moments and you're feeling just really fidgety and, you know, you're, you're tapping your leg or tapping your foot constantly, then that might be a sign. Um, as well as just feeling sad and tearful, crying more than usual, feeling hopeless, uh, that there's no point to things. And then irritability and frustrations a lot, if you're not usually an irritable person and you're having a lot more angry outbursts, that those can be some signs. Um, and then loss of interest or pleasure in things that you once were interested in and used to enjoy can be a sign of depression. Fatigue and lack of energy, those are also um, signs, but I'll, I'll share more about that in a minute when we talk about the differences with older persons. And feeling worthless and guilty, we see guilt a lot of times with caregivers um, for many different reasons. But then again, as we talked about before with anxiety, trouble concentrating, um, remembering things, and making decisions. And so when we switch gears and talk about these symptoms with the older persons, it's important to look at the person as a whole and you know, understand that, for example, if, if an older person is going through a significant change because they broke a hip 
and they have limited mobility and they're on a lot of medications and their body is healing, of course they're going to have fatigue and lack of energy, right? <laughs> um, but it's, it's when there's not, um, when, when things start to improve, using that example, when, when the hip is improving, they're starting to get more mobile, and they're still having that lack of energy, and they're crying a lot, and they're, um, they're feeling hopeless. Like, you know, what we hear sometimes, you know, it's just not worth me continuing on. Um, those are signs that um, typically come up with an older person that could be different um, because of what they're going through. Mm -hmm. But one of the biggest things that I like to talk about is memory impairment. And memory impairment in the older person can actually be a sign of depression or anxiety. And a lot of times people say, well, I'm getting older, so that's why I'm forgetful. You know, it's almost like there's this belief that because you're older, you're going to get forgetful. And it's actually not true. There's usually an underlying problem that's happening, um, whether it's depression or anxiety or that they're getting a diagnosis and developing perhaps Alzheimer's disease or something, um, or maybe they're not getting enough stim stimulation, um, you know, engagement, and so that's making them more forgetful because they're not using their brains as much. Um, but, you know, that's another sign that's different in older persons. And the other thing is isolation in older persons and routine. So if you know, everyone typically has a routine, but in older persons, one of the biggest signs of something going on with their mood is a change in their routine and isolating more. So if they're typically going over to someone's house, um, an adult child's house once a week, going to church, um, going out for coffee, and all of a sudden they're not doing any of that, there's mm -hmm. something going on. And so th those are some of the differences. Uh, that, it's interesting, the, the routine. I, I didn't think of it. It's a, it's a really interesting angle. Uh, Amanda, so you've laid out quite a few symptoms here. So when we see these signs and these symptoms, what do we do? It can be tricky because, of course, no one wants to um, tell, tell another person they have problems and they need help. Right. <laughs> um, so I'm really glad that you asked this question. The first thing is to validate what the person is saying. So, um, you know, another thing to think about um, before I get into that is that with older persons, there can still be a stigma related to mental health and counselors. And so part of what I say um, in, this, in this next part is going to kind of help with that and address that as well. So you meet them where they're at. So, for example... If someone is saying that they have no appetite, they're, they're really struggling to eat, and um, they have no energy, and they're just feeling really blah. Well, those are the kind of words that you want to use in validating what they're feeling. So, you know, I'm really sorry that you're, you know, not, not feeling energy and, you know, like you want to eat and that you're just feeling, ugh. Um, the important thing here is to not give advice. 
unless they ask you for it. If they ask you for advice, <laughs> definitely, right? But typically in these situations, they're just kind right. of expressing what's going on for them. And the reason why I say don't give advice is because um, sometimes that triggers people and they can get frustrated, um, especially if they're not asking for it. And then the wall's up and you're not going to get anywhere. They get so defensive, try, right? Exactly, very much so. Um, so trying not to give that advice and meeting them where they're at, listening is, is a big one, and then validating, um, using some of the words and paraphrasing what they're saying. And the next thing is to offer offer to connect them with not a counselor. You can see how on the screen here, if you can see it, um, I don't have that in quotes, but um, with someone who can help them with feeling like they don't have any energy and feeling like they're just, ugh, you know, not, they're, they're out of sorts, right? And so using those, those key words that they used before, they're, I guess you could say, presenting concerns or complaints, that's what you say, you know, I have someone that I know that can help you with da-da-da-da-da, or you say, you know, what if I helped you find someone that you can talk to about da-da-da-da-da? Um, and so that's a really helpful approach, and I will tell you, the majority of the time, there is no issue with that, and they usually agree. And... Um, a lot of counselors these days are only um, doing private pay, but um, some counselors are accepting insurance. We accept Medicare, which is big. We are one of the um, few in all of Northern Virginia that accept Medicare for counseling. We also accept Anthem, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and TRICARE for adult children that we also um, provide support to. And if you don't have any of those insurance, they have something called out-of-network reimbursement, which you pay the counselor directly. And then if you have out-of-network insurance, which a lot of people do, or benefits, um, then you will get reimbursed a significant portion, uh, more than half. All of, it's always more than half. So that's really nice. And um, just keep in mind, like I said, you know, if, if you listening to this are supporting someone who is struggling, you might benefit from some support too. Uh, sometimes there can be family counseling, but there's also individual counseling. Because again, when you talk about that stress of caregiving and supporting others, um, you know, it affects you as a person as well. Yeah, if you don't mind, I'd like to jump back into that. The, the caregiver support, what does that look like? Um, because as you know, I, I think the burden is they take so much on. You mentioned it, right? They, they forget about the I and taking care of them first, which I know we, we always want to think we when it comes to support. But like you said, they, sometimes they have to look inward and take care of themselves. So what does that look like? Yeah. So a lot of times it's um, the difficulties that we support people with are how to, number one, ask for help. A lot of times caregivers want to do everything themselves or they feel they have to, and that's not necessarily always the case. And that's what leads to burnout and stress and anxiety and depression. And so um, some of those things are, are what we can help with. But also, for example, uh, in caregiving, the older person might have a lot of irritability because they're experiencing so much loss 
loss of independence, loss of their abilities. You know, they might not be able to walk around the neighborhood, which used to be a positive coping skill for them. And, and now, you know, they're not able to get out as much or they need to use a walker. And so that, that emotion might come out in irritability and usually it's at the caregiver, unfortunately. And so you can have, um, the caregiver can have some guilt related to that or some stress, some negative feelings about themselves so it can affect their self-esteem. Uh, so, you know, those are some of the things that we see and why it can be so helpful in, in, um, in, in doing counseling, but also if it's an adult parent relationship, uh, adult child parent relationship, we also talk with them about how their parent's different and they're losing the parent or some aspects of the parent that they've always known. And so there's a loss for the caregiver themselves as well. And so it's adjusting and starting to prepare for some of those things. Wow. Got a couple of questions, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you touched on this on, on this previous screen about how you refer somebody. So if somebody's never done that before um, and say they haven't had the conversation with, an, with a parent, how do they go about trying to locate a therapist um, if they're not really sure what's going on with mom or dad? Yeah, um, so you can always, typically counselors always have an initial um, um, kind of conversation um, that okay. doesn't have to go through um, insurance or anything like that. So you can always call someone or reach out. Um, the best website is Psychology Today, and Psychology Today is set up that uh, you can look in your specific area, you can look at what insurances the therapist accepts, and then what they specialize in. So it's really great um, resource to be able to look there. Um, and then, you know, in how to kind of, the other, actually, <laughs> the the other way that you can do this is get the primary care physician to make a recommendation of a therapist. They often, I mean, I work with a lot of primary care physicians that refer their clients, their patients to us a lot. And a lot of times what I find with the older persons specifically is that they'll do anything the doctor says. <laughs> um, more so than the adult child uh, telling them <laughs> what to do, right? And so that can be a really, really helpful approach to this is kind of, you know, if you go to appointments with them to kind of maybe bring this up, um, you know, dad, tell tell the doctor um, what you've been telling me about your appetite and loneliness and lack of energy and maybe they might have some recommendations and they'll they'll pick up on the signs as well. They're trained to be able to identify these signs, being a doctor and and give an appropriate recommendation or referral for a counselor. That's interesting. I haven't thought about that. Going with a parent to the doctor and kind of being proactive in that conversation, whereas the parent may not bring those symptoms up, you can do that. That's a, a, a really wonderful idea. Um, we have a couple of questions, but they kind of all can morph into one. It's about the COVID-19, um, you know, with the search, with the switch to now virtual support as opposed to in-person. 
what are you saying? What's going on in your industry as far as the helping and the supporting of older persons and caregivers um, in this day and age? Yeah. So we have actually um, been doing teletherapy is what we call it um, in the mental health okay. field um, all along, but mostly for adults, um, adult children. So um, not for older persons. And so what COVID has done is it has given us an opportunity to reach more people, including older persons. And so what that looks like is, first of all, a lot of times caregivers have difficulty getting out of the house on their own because they're caring for the older person um, or the person who is ill. And to drive to an appointment and then have an hour counseling session and then drive back, it's a lot. So mm -hmm. this has made it more accessible to be able to do video therapy sessions um, that are confidential. We use a confidential or a HIPAA secure platform. And this has made it more accessible um, for people and to have more flexibility. Then as far as the older persons, some of them are used to, um, because of COVID um, or because of distance being far away from certain family members, are starting to get more used to using videos, mm -hmm. um, you know, FaceTime and things like that to see grandchildren or great-grandchildren. And so there is some familiarity which helps in them being able to use maybe a video teletherapy session. The great thing with COVID is that if they're not able to set that up or have someone set it up for them or they don't feel comfortable, um, the laws have been changed for um, during this time so that um, any type of healthcare can be more accessible that we can do phone sessions. So we can just talk by phone. And I'll tell you, a lot of older persons are um, really able to still connect via the phone. And it's a great tool because we're able to help so many more people if they don't have someone that can help them with setting up the video session and, um, and things, or if they don't have access to one. So it's, it's really been very helpful um, to give more flexibility. And the other great thing is that, um, well, typically before we were, for older people, we were going to their home to do counseling. And the great thing for us now is that without having to drive back and forth, we can support more people. And so it's this, this movement towards more telehealth has really helped us to be able to impact more people's lives in a positive way. And that's that's what I was just going to say is it's probably the only real beneficial thing that's come out of this is the opportunity for you to touch a lot of those isolated older persons and caregivers that really need that time with people um, to talk about their mental health. Exactly, exactly. Well, this is uh, really good stuff, Amanda. So uh, how can somebody find you? How can they reach out to you? So you can take a look at our website at wecaremanagement.com. That's all spelled out, wecaremanagement.com. You can call us. Um, it's a direct line to myself and or my assistant. Uh, that telephone number is 
1-800-273-0467. And another great way to contact us is our email, which is contact at wecaremanagement.com. So contact at wecaremanagement.com. Very good. And you are in Northern Virginia, correct? Yes, all of Northern Virginia. Very good. Well, Amanda, once again, thank you for your time and this really good information. I hope people really do start to reach out and, and help those individuals, the older persons and caregivers. So thank you again. Till next time, I'm your host, Jason Kotar, and this is Knowledgeable Aging.